Good evening, guys. Welcome along to Stevie's live Instagram chat with uh, Warren Barton tonight. Good evening, Warren. Good evening, my friend. Apologise a little bit later, but better late than never, as they say. But good to see everybody. Yeah, good to see you, mate. Great stuff. And uh, no, no cans yet. But uh, again, that's not really that's not really worrying us, is it, Warren? Do we need an excuse just to get the cans out? No. So there's no uh, there's no celebration as yet. Uh, they're on ice at the moment, so just keep them on ice uh, for the, for this time. But um, yeah, we're all a little bit anxious. Uh, need to be patient. But let's just hang on in there together. Yeah, hundred percent. What did you make of the um, What did you make of the article that was in the the Guardian? I mean, obviously that's the big talking point on social media at the minute. Anything that goes up like that sends our our fans into a, a frenzy, you know. And, and and obviously a lot of people start. You know, getting getting anxiety really and, and anxious because the feeling is if the deal's off. But but ultimately, you know, it, it was a rehashed article. I, I got out quickly on that. I managed to find the article through one of my friends um, quite quickly, and you know, we quickly noticed that that article would been written two weeks ago, and it there'd just been slight a slight addition to it. So we're going to get that on with for the next you know for the next week or two, I think. Yeah, and I think that you said people get anxious and we've been anxious since day one of this story breaking uh, a number of weeks ago. And, you know, a situation like this and, you know, a club of this size, it takes time. And when you haven't got any action going on for journalists at the moment, like you said, they're looking to bring up new stories and new articles. And, and you're right, once you open this up and read it, it was, you know, a couple of weeks ago um, that we all would have seen. Uh, and it just gets everybody's attention and makes everybody a bit jittery about what's going on. Um, and be prepared because, you know, we're probably going to come against more of them uh, coming forward. So it's just that time at the moment where everybody's waiting and seeing and, you know, counting the times that it could possibly happen. Is it going to be the beginning of June? Is it going to be time? Uh, and that's because we're so anxious and, and we want it to happen so much. So uh, just be patient, just calm. But as I said, don't be surprised if one or two other articles come along. Yeah, um, you know, for me, it's just one of those things, as you say, patience is a virtue. I know it's hard to be patient, but I'm sure that, you know, we will be rewarded in due time. Hey, Jen's first question there is, uh, what was your choice of drink after winning a game? And what's your choice of drink going to be after the takeover? Well, as you remember them times in, in the mid-90s, we were sponsored by Newcastle Brown Owl. So uh, we used to have a few of them put down. I think, Steve, you used to sneak in as well and have a few with us um, at that time. So uh, to be patriotic would be one of them. But I think when you when you celebrate, you've got to go with some champagne. So that's what I'd have to go with because it'd be a big celebration. Tom Dixon asks, if the COVID-19 situation hadn't happened, do you think we would have had our new owners in by now? Possibly. Yeah, possibly. I, I think with everything that's shut down and... Again, it wasn't just certain businesses. It was just the world had locked down for that time. So I, I, I think he's right. I think it's helped. Um, sorry, not helped. It's, it's hindered everything going through quicker than we would have anticipated. So, yeah, I think it's made everything just take stock. But what it's been able to do for all of us is just think about what might happen, could happen, reminisce about a few things and, and then go forward. Yeah, it's a good point, really. And I mean, good question, Tom. I do think that will play its part. But I also feel that, you know, I was discussing this with somebody today. I feel that, you know, once the deal maybe is done, once the Premier League checks are through, and then once the, you know, we have an idea of, you know, who the new owners are going to be and what they're going to do, I think they may take that time as well. They, they essentially will want to have everything right. They'll want to get their statement right, their statement of intent. Um, they'll, they'll, you know, they'll want to make sure that they come in and, and get off on the right foot as well, Warren. So, although Premier League checks might get done and the money might exchange, you know, maybe they might hold back and, and wait until they're ready to make an announcement too. Yeah, I think first impressions are so important, um, um, particularly when you're coming into a business that has, you know, fans and uh, globally fans all over the place. Is to to let this season run out, take stock of what they've done, where they're going to go. They're obviously. You know, be doing them sort of criteria now, but then you know, don't be surprised if it is July, August, where you make that statement, and then when the Premier League can start off. But yeah, you're, you're right. There's there's not a situation. There's one that the deal is done. It's all handshakes. It's all signed, sealed, and delivered. There's no need to rush anything. Then you no need to rush anything and take stock of what you want to do. But um, as soon as they sign it and shake hands, it will be better for me. I know that much. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Question there. Hi, Warren. What was it like being part of the crazy gang and winning the FA Cup with them? That's from Ken Reds. 
Uh, I, unfortunately, I come just at the end of when they won it, so I was actually part of the squad. But it was um, it was a great time of going from non-league, uh, of being you know working with painters and decorators and travelling to places like Dulwich Hamlet and up to Gateshead and all over the the, the country to play non-league, and then you go to Wimbledon, which was in the Premier League at the time. My first two games at home was against the great Liverpool team of the late '80s, and then the Arsenal team that that went on won the league uh, that season. So. From that point of view, to be thrown in at the deep end, it was great, you know, to be around people like John Fashionew, uh, Vinnie Jones was a learning experience to go to as a young boy and to come out there as a, as a man was was unusual times. You know, you had to uh, show character, show determination, uh, show togetherness and hopefully that stand me in good stead with my career. Shelley Crawford asks, uh, what was the highlight of your time at Newcastle? I think I've told you this many, many times. I mean, obviously, signing for Newcastle was a great day and uh, being around the Barcelona uh, game in the Champions League, you know, playing in cup finals, beating Man United 5-0. But I can honestly say with a hand on my heart, it was all of it, Steve. You know, I had good times and I had a couple of bad times as well. But just being associated with that club at that time um, gave me a lot of pride uh, from where I've achieved, from where, you know, being told at 13 and 16, you're too small, you're never going to make it, then to go on and be at a club and you know, captain the club as well with Newcastle. Uh, so all of it, you know, even the, the difficult times, which I had, I was never going to walk away. But there's certain, obviously, moments, games that stick out. Great people, you know, not just people that I play with, people in the football club as well uh, and people in the city. So, I, as I said, it's a special, special time. And I was really happy at that time. You know, the time with Sir Bobby Robson um, was a unique time as well. Funko Freddy says, two of the best goal celebrations he's ever seen. Stuart Pierce's penalty in Euro 96 and Warren Barton against Liverpool in the 4-3 defeat. Do you remember that celebration? Just a bit, my friend, just a bit. We were bloody awful. The first 45 minutes, we were awful. And Kenny had a few choice words to say to us and we couldn't get any worse. And maybe Liverpool thought they would, uh, they'd already won it. Uh, but yeah, just to, I don't know what I was doing up there at that time anyway. I won the header and then poked it through David James's leg and just to be in front of our fans as well. And uh, I think the story I've told people, I still owe Sky £250, but they, they've got enough money. They don't need to, to worry about my money. But it was just just everything coming out. You know, when people, you score a goal, it's very similar to the, the winner against Spurs at home. Uh, the 1-0 win to, to get to, to get that winning goal was 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 great. Um, but unfortunately, bloody Robbie Fowler goes down the other end and, and wins the game for, for Liverpool. But just pure passion, adrenaline. And Piercy told me the same thing. It's just everything that's inside you just comes out and you release it. You don't really know what you're doing. Yeah. John B says, how much do you think you would cost in today's transfer market? Well, how much was a kid at Man United? He was, and Carl Walker was 50000000 million. I'd be up there, Steve. I, I was a record yeah. at the time. So, yeah. um, and I could cross the ball. So I, I might say a little bit more, a touch more. Touch more. Mike Jen says, Warren and Steve, what's your all-time favourite Newcastle home shirt? What's yours, Warren? Uh, for me, it has to be the Grande colour. It's just such an iconic. Yeah. And uh, over here in America, NBC, they show the, um, the the Premier League over here. And that got voted as the best Premier League shirt. Uh, and the home one was special. The, the Newcastle brown hour, the buttons. So iconic. Um, so, yeah, that would be my favourite. Yeah, I love that one. I mean, I, I did used to love the 83-84 the away shirt. It was just a simple grey shirt and it had like a black and, and, and white um, bar across the middle. And, and the old NUFC badge, I really, really like that one. But again, the Grandad Collar one is one of my favourites. Mark Dalton it says... Player, it was a player that you remember with that grey shirt. I'll tell you what mine was, with that grey shirt. Um, to be honest, I remember Peter Beardsley and Kevin Keegan and Chris Waddle all wearing it in different games. But... I think there's a few infamous photos. There's a cracking photo of Peter Beardsley, black and white photo of him wearing it. And another one of Kevin Keegan doing a diving header in a 4-0 win against Derby County at home. It was raining. It's just, it's it's in a, it's an iconic shirt, really, and grey. You know, with us playing in black and white is your home colour. I think there's something right about playing in grey as your away colour. I don't know whether that makes sense, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, no. No, I like it. I'm, I think a Gaza wearing that as well. Gaza, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Happy birthday! Happy birthday yeah, to Paul as well. I have, I have texted him today. I have texted him today. He was out fishing today on his birthday. Good man. We'll send him my love and my, my wishes. Yeah, I will do, mate. I will do. Mark Dalton says, "I love it, Stephen Warren. Watching other fans from other clubs having complete meltdowns over little old Newcastle United 
becoming the richest club in the world. It hasn't even happened yet, and other fans are in bits. I have noticed that, Warren, have you? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. We might become the noisy neighbours now. What, what, so yeah. We might start becoming the noisy neighbours. Yeah, it's, you know, um, it's quite ironic when you hear fans about what they're saying about Newcastle. You know, if it was their club, I'm sure they'd be, you know, banging the drums about what's going on. And, you know, Newcastle have been through so much. Uh, the, the fans want, you know, so much to to be cheering about. They've stuck with the club. Um, you know, let them be jealous and let us just get on with it. Kyle Poulin says it's a shame that the Premier League or even Newcastle can't announce anything to chill everyone out. It's cans for me, even though, even now I'm back at Graft tomorrow. I mean, look, Kyle, I think I think obviously, you know, Warren and I have discussed this in previous shows, but it's all about the NDAs, isn't it? And I think that's a positive. The fact that nobody's talking about it shows you how real this takeover is. Yeah, no, normally no news is good news, I always think. And there's not been too much from the Ashley camp and there's not been too much from the new ownership. So that tends to be, uh, again, I'm saying it, a, a good sign uh, going forward. And, you know, because of the circumstances, maybe things are not being put out a little bit quicker. But, um, mm -hmm. yeah, we've said it before, Stephen, because we've got a lot of you know, high-class journalists that, you you know, respect have come out with stories and, you know, all leads to the fact that this, this will go through. Uh, and then we can all, you know, get the cans open and celebrate. But too, when you get news like you did the other day, it starts drinking anyway. So, you know, you can't win. You have a drink when you celebrate and then you get a little bit anxious and depressed. You open the cans up again. Exactly. Gary Aston's probably doing that right now. He says it's not happening. Each, each to their own opinion, Gary. And, you know, I can understand why some people will be negative. But ultimately, from my perspective... I'll tell you now that this is the closest we're ever going to get to getting rid of Mike Ashley. And I think you'll have uh, a reason to open your cans sooner rather than later. James May says, hello, Warren. What players from the current squad would you keep? I, me I mentioned this before, Steve. I think you, yeah. you'd have to look at them and, you know, see how they would be. But there's no doubt, you know, striker is one point in the midfield area. You know, we need to strength. We need to strengthen everywhere. You know, Akimi at right back is a, that type of player. I know we've got players, but... What it'll do to the current players is, is wake them up a little bit and tell them they've got to fight for their place. You know, you look at the keeper, uh, the captain, you know, there, there's a few, Shelby. But I think if we want to be contenders, we need to look up higher, maybe, you know, younger, higher ones. But, you know, I'm a believer of giving people a chance um, and let them see how they go. But quickly, you know, whether it be a, a director of football or technical director, you'd soon suss out what you need. But it, it doesn't take a rocket science. You need... You know, quality strikers, you need players. And, you know, even when we had Scott Sellers, who was an outstanding player, you went and got David Ginola, you know, so from that point of view. So, you know, it's it's horses for courses. And, you know, if you are going to go into that next enchilon, you want you want to be up there with quality players. And, and these are good players. They, they, they've worked hard. They've done well. But where we want to be uh, is, a, is a lot higher and more consistent. A lot of interesting shirts tonight. Andy Barr's wanting to know, did you keep any of your Newcastle shirts over the years or the ones that you've swapped? No, every one of them. Every year, uh, my new shirt I kept. So whether it was the, the Grand A collar or moving on to the, you know, the, the, the black shirt that we had, I actually kept, you know, that horrible green with the orange and blue stripe, which was bloody awful. We were at Allen Road. I kept that as well. I don't know why, but I've kept that. And yeah, I was lucky enough to swap some shirts over with some people, whether it Actually, Stuart Pearce, when I played against him, I swapped with his shirt. But, you know, other players that we, we've played against in the Champions League, Chevchenko. So, yeah, uh, Luis Enrique. So, I've got them shirts as well. Fantastic. Kieran Williams says, evening, lads. Quick question. What happens if this doesn't go through? Where will it leave us? Will Ashley continue to back Bruce and get people signed up to new contracts, i.e. Longstaff and Carroll? What's your thoughts on that? What if it didn't go through, Warren? Oh, uh, I tried to think, actually, Steve. You know, I think I said yeah. it to you before. So if it was a breakdown that wasn't to do with the club at the moment, you know, I've always said, you know, support the club, the fans, go out there. But this would be devastating. This this would be absolutely devastating. So, um, you know, I, I would say to the, you know, might maybe look for something else because I, I think the relate. Well, not I don't think. I know the relationship with him and the fact it's got it's, it's never going to be repaired. Whether he went out and spent money. You know, the fans are not idiots. You know, they, they wouldn't tolerate that. So um, I think from the point of view is that maybe look for another ownership to come through. But I, I don't want to think about that, actually. You know, I really don't want, want to go down that avenue. Tom Dixon's just wanting to know what you're doing now. Are you still working at Fox Sports? What do you do? You're commentating on games and stuff, aren't you? Are you analysis and stuff? 
Yeah, no, I work for it was when I first came over, Steve, in, in 08, it was Fox Soccer, and then it's moved over to, to Fox Sports. And you know, we've had the Bundesliga at, at the moment, but unfortunately, in California, the, the studios are not open. So, we've had like World Cups, we've had Champions League, Premier League, which I've done for the last 12 years, which a big part of moving over here allowed me to coach my kids as well, whether it's my oldest son, Milo Kane, or my youngest one now, Ty, um, coaching them at their local football club. So, it's given me the opportunity to do that, to be around them. Uh, I've done my coaching coaching qualifications um, and now, you know, I'm ready. I'm looking for, for other things as well. But I've been very, very lucky. You know, I live now. I'm going to remember this, Steve. I live in the second best place in the world. Newcastle being the first and now this being the, the, the second with the sunshine and the beach um, and had the opportunity to be with my family and, and watch them grow up. It's been, it's been very, very lucky for me. Barry Hill Marks has got a little bit more confidence, but he, he explains at the end of the day, Newcastle fans have had 13 years of negativity, so every negative article written is what we seem to believe. Stay calm, it'll happen. Kyle's of the same opinion. He says it's going to happen, lads. Keep calm. Uh, Mike Gent asks, who was in charge of the music before and after games and who had the best and worst taste in music, Warren? Well, at the beginning, we had... Uh... So Les, Les would bring some of his uh, his music in, which was, you can imagine Les was a bit smooth, a bit sophisticated. And then unfortunately, we let Big Al and Shay get involved, um, which was a real transition from lively music to a bit of, I don't know what it was, pop, rock, crack, we used to call it. But <laughs> Al used to get in and, and used to try and do his moves as well beforehand to get himself psyched up. So... Uh, yeah, we'd have a bit of that put in there. Even I think Pad, your your good old friend, God rest his soul, he brought a, yeah. a few tracks in as well. And and obviously Shaka went with a bit of Caribbean stuff. So we had a bit of a mixture. But yeah, when I was there, it was Les, and I used to bring some music in. But then Al wanted a bit of his, you know, whether it was Lady Bloody Gaga or Katy Perry, whatever it was, he used to have some of that going on at the time. Pav had some decent taste in music. I remember his biggest favourite was the was the Northeast band, the Lighthouse Family. Yeah. He loved that song. He loved that song. He lifted. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Piercy coming as well. Stiff little fingers. He brought some bit of rock in there. That used to liven it up a little bit. Tina Sex to, Pistols. Yeah, Sex Pistols. We used to put it on. Tina was like, "Oh no, oh no, why this? Why this?" So. <laughs> Great stuff. Uh, Kenny Trainer says, "Warren, is there any person you didn't get on with at Newcastle?" Uh, no, not really. I was lucky enough. I was, um, Marcelino was a strange one. I, you know, as, as a person, I, I spoke to him and said hello. I couldn't understand what he was doing and why, you know, he was injured and things like that. But, you know, I was, I, I was fine with people. You know, there's obviously, you know, you, you want people to train hard and play and me and Speedo would have like our words against each other. But no, I, I was lucky enough. We was, we sort of got on. I think I'm easy going. Um, but yeah, even even people like Bellamy that can have an argument in the telephone box, someone like John <laughs> and Kieran. But yeah, we we was all good. We we got on very very well. Tom Dixon says, "Who's the sports icon that influenced you the most?" Well, if anyone's been watching the the Michael Jordan thing, but my dad was an amateur boxer um, many many years ago. So someone like Muhammad Ali was was a great role model to have. Someone like him, I was young as a football fan growing up. I had an older brother who was four years. Uh, we used to go over the park and you know go and play one against one on a field field. So he was like someone that would teach me at the tackle and he used to kick me and chop me in half some of the times. Brian Robson was my, as a kid growing up, you know, he was someone that I liked and Liam Brady. Um, but yeah, I think at the time, you know, there was like Muhammad Ali as a, as a role model. Michael Jordan, you know, with the new uh, documentary yeah. being put on. If you watch that, I mean, a ball winner and what he'd gone through um, with his teammates. But yeah, they're the type of people that inspire me. You know, going through adversity. As I said, you know, at 13 and 16, people said I was too small, never going to make it. Um, you know, I didn't have too much support. My brother was there, and we got on with it. And um, you know, uh, I changed it round. But Muhammad Ali sticks in my mind as, as someone that is a role model. I wasn't sure if this was after your time. Cooperman's asking, were you there at the same time as Keith Gillespie and Shearer? I think, were you there when they had the fight in Dublin? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was in the in the, in the bar. It yeah. Was a, it was a funny, funny time. It was a funny time. 
um, yeah, I'll let Alan tell the story. He's probably told it already, or Keith's told it already. Ah, uh, uh, the ball. To, yeah, to be honest, to be honest, I do the after dinner circuit. Obviously, I've done it with Alan. I've done it with uh, Keith Gillespie, uh, Steve Howie, and John Beresford tell the tale as well. Uh, the first person ever to tell it was Steve Howie, um, and he got it. He, he got a, a little. Yeah, he got. He got it. He got it. He got hold over the coals by Alan until he heard that the audience, when they first heard the story, started shouting Shearer, Shearer once they heard the story. And he said, Keep telling it, Steve. Keep telling it. Did Steve tell you what he said outside, though? Just try and calm the situation down. Man, yeah, he does. Yeah. He explains that he told the police that it was a hit and run. So now, so they were looking for a drunk driver who caused a hit and run. We've gone from Stuart Pierce, that's the same time Stuart, through the. Um, the, the police come through a window as well. That was through a car window, so that happened. And then you got you got Keith in hospital, and everyone looking for a hit and run. We'd only been in Dublin three hours. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the case as well? There was the traffic cone incident with Stuart Pierce, and he paid. He wrote. He wrote a check out, didn't he, to pay for the damage to the car? And the woman yeah. went straight to the newspapers. His wife went. His, his wife at the time went ballistic because I was. I shared with Piercy as well, and it was a mistake. You know, we were messing around, stupid, stupid young people, and um, he offered to pay straight away. But instead of asking us for the money, the cash, he wrote a check. So there we she was, Mister <laughs> Mrs. Pierce, with a check for three hundred fifty pounds. Classic. Eric Bray. Eric Brayson says, if you could bring three players from your dear into the current squad, who would you bring, Warren? Uh, Al would be the first one. I'd go with the forwards. Janelle was brilliant when he was there, and Celeste. Pedro, oh, yeah, it's a hard one because I throw Pedro in there as well. Um, let's go with Big Al, Pedro, and uh, and Les, and then David Janelle. David Janelle. Yeah. Mike Jen asks a good. Mike Jen asks a good. Yeah, Mike asks a good question. He says, "Who would pay for dinner on a boys' night out, and who will go missing when the tab was due?" Well. Rob Lee would never ever buy. Have uh, you ever been out with Rob Lee? I've been in a pub with Rob Lee with two of us. It's three rounds in before he buys a drink. Three rounds. I, I bought one when I went in. He went to the bathroom, got another three rounds before he even bought a drink. Um, I was always, you know, Steve, I was the entertainment officer. So I used to collect all the money for the staff at the club at Christmas or the physios or Tom the kit man. I was in charge of all that in my time when I was there. So I would look after the bill uh, for the boys. We'd all go around and put a whip and, and do that. But as I said, you know, Rob's got crocodile arms. He would never, ever put his hand in his pocket. Crocodile arms. Uh, Craig, Foster, Craig Foster says, Warren, do you miss your involvement with San Diego Flash since they folded? Also, my mum won a signed shirt for being your 10,000 Twitter follower, and I still use it for five a side. Good man. Yeah, no, I, I recognise the name. Um, yeah, it was a Steve, what I'll explain to the, the people there that, you know, um, over here was an amateur team. It was a lower level team of young kids. So we went into, a, it's like, a, they call it a spring league. So a four month season, all players that maybe dropped out of college, wasn't good enough. We, we put it all together and we was really successful in our area. We was winning the championships. We was doing well. We'd go up to San Francisco um, and had a really, really good time doing it. I had six years doing it. Um, and what it done was local people in that area, all the young you know, kids of 19, 20, 22, now at like 30, they've all, you know, good friends has kept together. So we had a group of about 50, 60, 70 players that have come through this team. Amateur-based, none of them got paid. I funded it, uh, paying for the referees and, and food and travel. And we had investors as well that had helped out through that time. Unfortunately, the owner had a heart attack and, and died a number of years ago. But it was a great time for me to understand the American culture uh, the young players in this area that have come out of college and playing it. And it gives people uh, something to look forward to. You know, we used to train four days a week, playing this league that was, you know, whether we go up to LA, San Francisco, a uh, place called Orange County, them type of areas that are nearby, um, and, and do really, really well. And I had a lot of fun doing it, and uh, we made a lot of good friends as well. Al G says, Warren, you always had a good head of hair in your time at Newcastle. Who had the best hair at Newcastle during your time there, though? Well, again, I'd go with Davian as well. With his, his, he, he made Gray sexy. You know, normally Gray was like, no, him and Jules Coonley changed it. But uh, yeah, I'd have to go with with, with David. Uh, I put Al in there as well, but he, that little island that soon disappeared. So that, that <laughs> soon. Went. But they, definitely, David had some hair on him. Tom Lynch says he had lovely hair as well. You had him on the other day. Norberto Solano, he had a lovely thick mane of hair. 
He did, yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely. I I mean, he's, he's still got his own hair as well at the minute and his own teeth, so he's done well getting to that he's age. He's got belly as well, by the looks of it, when I saw him. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, Lynch, Tom Lynch says, as a defender, who was your favourite keeper to play with? I was lucky, you know. I know Pab's a big uh, friend of yours. Pab was good. He, communication was great. Shay, for me, over the course of the season with Harps and my career, Shay would be the, the best. He, he, he works on his kicking. He works on his communication. Overall, um, you know, all four of them was really good at Newcastle. My time. I was lucky with David Seaman at, with England. He was an outstanding goalkeeper. Um, but Shay, overall, week in, week out, uh, progressed, got better. Uh, and just knowing him as well, being around. But, you know, at, at the time, Pat come in, he, he was excellent as well in Shaka. Yeah, 100%. Rafa Benitez, as God says, Trent or Juan Basaka? Who do you think is the best right-back, Warren? Uh, I'd go with Trent Alexander. I, I like it. I think he's got a great final product. Um, there's a kid, I don't know whether people was watching the Bundesliga yesterday, Akimi, the kid. He didn't play very well yesterday against Alfonso Davis, but he's a really, really good player as well. But Trent Alexander's got... He's got that little bit of flair with a modern-day player. He can go forward. Um, yeah, he, he needs to work on his defender, defending. But I think overall, when you look at the difference of, of what they can do, his passing range, his, his set pieces, uh, his movement, yeah, I, I think he just gets above them. But two, two very, very good players. John Ball says, did you ever consider leaving Newcastle when Steve Watson was first choice right back before you won your place back when Watson moved on to Villa? No. No, honestly, I didn't. No, I, I had, um, at the time, Spurs, I think, was interested, spoke to my agent, uh, Charlton as well, uh, and I had a word uh, and see if there was a... But I wanted to fight for it. Uh, I'd spent my lifetime trying to get there, and the reason I got dropped, because I wasn't playing well. Um, and with Watto, I just was, you know, we got on really, really well. Uh, but at the end of the day, it was, you know, I wanted to take his spot as he wanted to take mine. And with Watto as well, he's a bit more... Versatile. I think we got an injury to Darren, I think, and Watto slid in. And I played right back, and lucky enough, I played well. We kept kept my spot, and then obviously Watto moved on. But you know, Watto, Watto's versatility probably helped me out a little bit because it gave me a break because he slid in the centre half. Uh, I think we played at Arsenal one one nil with Robbie Elliott scoring, and and then from that day onwards, I, I sort of done well and, and kept on playing. So um, yeah, and then we had Andy Griffin, we had Aaron Hughes come along. It's all part of being at a big club, you know, you're competing with good players. Yeah, great stuff. NLR says, uh, will Warren paint white stripes down that door when the takeover happens? I think he's talking about the door behind you. Yeah, no, don't worry. I've got my rugs outside on the uh, thing. They're all black and white. I I'm ready to go. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Steve Hutchinson says, what do you think of not having a reserve team uh, and not owning any training facilities? We were training all over. Yet superb on the pitch, unthinkable nowadays. He's obviously talking about when you know Kevin had that little set two with the groundsman and uh, obviously decided that he didn't want a reserves team at the club. Yeah, and so John was a bit with that as well. You know, so John said, "Is it going to give me you know the money back and academy?" So there's a, a little bit of speculation there about what was going on with Kevin. You know, for for me, we don't need to lose a Michael Carrick and Alan Shearer again. That should never happen at a club. So you know, the academy side. I think is important. Uh, the reserve team is important. You know, I remember some of the guys, you know, like Huckleby never really kicked a ball for six months. You know, people like that that was in there, Steve Caldwell, you know, Gary Caldwell, because they wasn't getting games. So for them to go from no games to our game, it's going to be a big step. So, uh, you know, times have changed. Um, but lucky enough, I won in the reserves that often, so it didn't bother me. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel Lowther says, Simon Jordan on Talk Sports says he thinks Steve Bruce should get at least one full season in charge under the new ownership. I can't see it myself. What are your thoughts? It's interesting to hear Simon Jordan actually believe the takeover is going to go through. Yeah, yeah, no, he's, he's obviously got a lot to say, Simon. So, um, you know, he's he's come out and said with Steve, obviously their relationship is, is pretty good. And I've said to you before, Steve, you know, I've got the utmost respect for Steve Bruce, one as a player and, and, a, and as a person and also as a coach of what he's done in championships, in the Premier League, keeping teams to survive and do well. But, we're not about surviving and doing well. We're about challenging. We're about, if this takeover goes through and the money that we're talking about, you want maybe a fresh start, a new beginning, a new opportunity. Even with the Rafa Benitez, I'm a little bit reluctant to go, I know you're a big Rafa fan, Steve, to go back to him. I, I think we, it's a clean slate, it's a new beginning. 
let, let's hit the ground running with, with a new personnel. But no doubt Steve deserves the credit and whether it's till the end of the season. And he won't be struggling for a job in the future because his record speaks for himself. And he's a football man, you know, and he's got... When he took the job with Mike Ashley, he's a jewelry. That's ultimately it was his job that he wanted. So whether Mike was involved or this new ownership or Sir John Hall, it doesn't matter. It's Steve wanted that job because it's such a big pull. Like Alan turned down Man United because he wanted to wear the number nine in the black and white shirt for Newcastle. So, you know, you can't default Steve of what he's done and how hard he's worked. And the player. you look at the players now coming out, backing him. That tells you a lot about a coach. Um, but, again, saying all that, I do believe we want to go forward. We do want to take uh, the next step of, of competing. And for that, you look at someone else, and my one would be Pochettino. Yep. Okay. Gregory Monk says, I can't understand Amanda Stavely putting down £17 million, constructing a consortium that will fail. They must have done their homework. And I think that's why I've, I've always been confident that this would go through, because you know you don't put £17 million of your own money down unless you're confident it's going to go through. No, no doubt. Uh, and particularly, you know, people may say, well, 17 million with the money we're talking, that's still a hell of a lot of money that you just walk away from. So, again, fingers crossed, all the, all the signs are there. When you, that, that's what's happening, Steve, at the moment with all of us. We're all thinking about, well, why have they done that? What if this happens? How about that article in The Guardian? Uh, there's all this uncertainty because we're so anxious and we want it to happen. Yeah, 100%. Alan White says, don't you think there should be some sort of statement to let the fans know what's happening? This is dragging on too much now. Unfortunately, Alan, you can't do it when there's NDAs signed. And non-disclosure means non-disclosure. So not the buying side or the selling side will say anything until the, until the, the deal is complete. Uh, Ken says, what's your favourite memory of Newcastle supporters and the support we give, Ken? Uh, thanks for that, Ken. What do, you, what do you think of that, Warren? Well... All of them, really. I think the, the first home game that I had with all the black and white shirts, and I told you this story, you know, our first home game with me, Les, David, uh, and Shaka was, was phenomenal. But a game against Coventry, actually, where you should go down Coventry, and I've never seen it before. They took the whole side out. There's six, 7,000 people down there for this game against Coventry. I'm talking about Coventry. So that that stuck in my mind as well, because me and Les was coming out, or me and now, I forget who it was, because like, and now look at this, nearly 7,000 people. We played Stoke in a Coca-Cola game as well and took that over uh, as well on a cold Tuesday night uh, in Stoke, took that game over. But for me, it gave me... From, well, I was going to Derby and I never got a chance to say goodbye to the fans at Newcastle because my deal was done quite quickly. So we played... We, we played Derby and I was at Derby at the time. Me and Rob had gone down to the inference when, when Al and Rob ran into it. And the final whistle went... Newcastle won 3-2 with that one strike from uh, Lauren River, straight in the goal, and then it changed around. I think Kieran got a goal as well. I went round to the Derby fans, first and foremost, because I was captain of their club, and I went round to say thank you. But then I went over to Arla, the Geordies, afterwards, and there was about four or 5,000 there. And just to have a couple of minutes to say thank you to them, clapping them, appreciate that always sticks in my mind, because uh, I never got a chance at St James's to say goodbye or when I was leaving after one game, because you never knew. I, I was playing, I got left out. I wasn't in the team. The team was flying, doing well. So Bobby said, it's, you know, I'm looking to move you on. You can stay in the academy and be a coach. But I said, look, I'm 33. I still feel like I can play. He said, no, you can do. So I signed for Derby for, for three years. But we played Newcastle in the spring. And just to have that time, Stephen, I was gathering my thoughts as I went round to go to see the fans and to, to say goodbye, because I've gone through so much. You know, the jubilation of signing, being left out of a team, being booed, then to be, you know, appreciated for what I've done. So it was it, it was a special, special moment for me. Yeah, amazing journey, mate. Amazing journey. Just a reminder, people, subscribe to the channel, click share on the broadcast so other people can watch it. And uh, Michael Chopra's on 6 o'clock tomorrow night. David C says, what info do you have other than hope that it'll go through? I mean, look, I think we just, you want to be positive, Warren. I mean, I've met Amanda Stavely, so I do have an advantage. I've met her, I've spoken to her. I was there on that infamous day in 2017 when she came to watch the Liverpool game. And, uh, you know, I know what they're, going, what they're going to bring to the table. So for me, that's why I'm confident. And other than that, yes, they've put £17 million down. And I think, I think the biggest sign this time round is that Mike Ashley has not come out and said that the tyre kicking, that they're wasting time or anything like that. So I think, I think for me, there's a lot of things that point to this being done sooner rather than later. Would you agree, Warren? Yeah, no, no doubt. I think 
and we spoke about it before, with the journalists that have been involved, the, the, the information that's been put out, uh, the outlets are saying it. So you, you tend to believe that, you know, something is going to happen. Um, and again, we're all getting anxious, we're all getting worried about it. But I think a word is patience. And we've had patience for 13 years. So another couple of weeks uh, is not going to hurt too much. So you, you just go by what's been said. And, you know, history has shown that, you know, if it wasn't going to hurt, it folded, it went away. You said it as well, Steve. There's been silence from both parties. That tends to let you know that you can't legally, you can't say anything. So that's where we, we keep our fingers crossed. So, yeah, until we get that, that green light, we're still in that unknown situation. Yeah, 100%. Steve Hutchinson says, Warren, we're not the noisy neighbours. We own the castle, man. Yeah, exactly. I know. I know. But I just thought with Sir Alex saying his bit of his bit of uh, being a big club, we, we're, we're overtake that lot and they'll be forgotten. But you're right, we're not the noisy neighbours. We are the, the, the kings of the castle. David Graham says, I've still got my Barton Toon shirt from when I was a kid. I wish I'd had it signed off the man himself. Well, if Warren's over, I'm sure at some point we'll, we'll get an event on and I'm sure you'll be able to come along and meet him and sort that out. No problem, anytime. Yeah, I'll get that done. Don't worry about that. Ken says, do, do you remember the song that we used to sing for you? Can you sing it for us, Warren? You're not a singer, are you? Oh, Warren Barton sent the party, la 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 la. Yes. <laughs> I tell my kids that, and they went, What, they don't say about you scoring goals or your name? No. I said, No, it's about my hairstyle. <laughs> Brilliant. Alan Trainer says, If you could have played with one player in your playing days that you didn't play with, who would it be? I would love to have more time with Gaza. I know it's his birthday and I was lucky a couple of times with, with England, but to have a, a couple of seasons with him would have, would have been special. Uh, Omri, Terry Omri, he was, he was a player. So um, yeah, that, that, them type of players and lucky enough with Sedan. Um, so yeah, they're, they're the three, but Gaza would have been special. I think if he would have come back with Val at that sort of time, who knows what might have happened. Yeah. Uh, Albert Mooney says, will Joe Linton play better in an empty stadium with less fan pressure? I, I feel, well, I shouldn't say I feel for him because I told you this before, Steve. When he was at Hoffenheim, he was never a number nine. He, he was never. He played a little bit out wide and, and joined in. He was never a lone striker. He was never going to get you 15, 20 goals. He was not that type of player. Uh, he can't do anything about the price. Say that's not down to him. Um, he has that chance, and then I, I always go back to this story with John Dale Thomason. You know, we spent a lot of money to bring John in. He missed that opportunity. Tino reminisced about it against Sheffield Wednesday, and he was never the same. And I think that's what's happened to this kid as well. He just can't seem to get by a goal for love nor money. Also, the tactics as well. He's having to sit back so deep, and he's not list with fisting pace to get in behind. Um, but because of the price tag, you do expect a bit more. But I think his confidence has, has obviously been shot. You've got to show character. You've got to show character and come through. Paul Oxley says, do you not fancy joining Rob Lee on Harry's Heroes if they make another series? You're looking better shape than Rob. I'll tell you what, there's a few people looking better shape than Rob. I said, and Razak as well. But, uh, yeah, well, it was a Heroes as well. So I'll I, I let them have their moment of joy and, and enjoy it. But, yeah, I do get a chuckle when I see Rob trying to put a, an extra large shirt on. It is funny. Yeah. Uh, Peter Henderson says, Evening lads, Warren, who was the player that you hated playing against the most? Um, hated playing, I think I wouldn't say I hated playing against him. I, I used to enjoy playing against like an Henri or Giggs. Um, there was a player that actually, when I was at Wimbledon, he, not a famous player, but uh, not actually, let me go this one Nigel Winterberg would have been one as well. He was a pest to play against at Arsenal. Maybe not a world-class player, but real hard player to play against. You know, he, he was dogged. He was obviously a good player. He was in a good team. Yeah, Nigel would, would spring to mind. There was a, Stuart Gray was another player at Aston Villa. Another good professional. Every game, he was 9 out of 10. Like a Dennis Irwin, that type of thing. So, yeah, I, Nigel would come into it as well because he was like a little scurrying rat everywhere. But, yeah, he was a, a tremendous player. But him... Uh, as I said, which, uh, another player that people may wouldn't know too much about, Stuart Gray, was always difficult. John B says, Warren, would you like to score in the World Cup final and win it, or score the winning FA Cup goal for Newcastle? Oh, I'm patriotic, so I'd have to score a winning goal. It doesn't come better than that, so, yeah. yeah. I'll get the equaliser in the FA Cup. 
I'll get the winner in a World Cup, mate. <laughs> Uh, Colin Wilson says, good evening, lads. I expected an announcement when the show was put back to late o'clock. He says, will the new owners be sourcing new players discreetly behind the scenes? We're seeing, as always, a lot of players being linked with Newcastle at the moment. The transfer window obviously is, you know, in the summer and, and, and you know, with new owners, we're expecting to be in the higher end of the market. But would the, would the prospective new owners be, be already looking at players, do you think? Yeah, no doubt. I think, well... I think they'd have players in their own mind. I think they would try and give it to whoever the coach is going to be or the technical director, who that's going to be. I mean, they probably have their eyes on Ronaldo, Messi, the, the money we're talking about. They're, they're the type of players that they would jump into. But I'm sure being business as it would do, they'd maybe leave it to a technical director or director of football, who it may be. But they'd obviously have a list of players that would be um, top of their list, and you know, whether it's been Griezmann, we, we've spoken about them type of players that are coming, Sancho, wherever Timo Werner, uh, they're the type of people that are being linked with Newcastle, which is fantastic. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the, the independent linked Owen Brown and Frank McPartland with uh, the director of football job and the assistant, both football people, both heavily involved in football over the years. At least that would be moving the right direction, both English guys, but they're also connected with Rafa. Yeah, yeah. As I said, I, I, you know, football is a small community, and whether it's been people that are involved with agents that understand the agents or ex-coaches, so but they know good players, you know. And, and again, what happens at, at, hopefully at this level when you are looking at the top Archelon players, there's not a mass of players. Uh, but what I would like to see, Steve, is look at younger players as well, not just the ready-made deal. Yes, we're going to need five or six of them straight away, but also look for the 19s, the 17s, the 20-year-olds that are going to come along and take this club forward and to join in with these players. So, yeah, I mean, it's not going to be rocket science. You know, if you've got the money and there's a good player, then you try, hopefully you try and sign them. Yeah. Paul Gillingham says, I'm hoping to come out to San Diego later this year. What, what do you recommend to do out there? He's wanting some uh, tips. Coronado, go to there. There's a lovely hotel over there, the Coronado. Uh, go down to the, the Gaslamp district as well, but it's a, a great place. And La Jolla is another good place as well. Hit, hit me up yeah. when you're over. Paul Furlong's asking, what was your favourite chant, Warren? Your favourite Newcastle chant other than your song? Shearer, Shearer, because it meant we'd scored a goal. <laughs> <laughs> Al G says, Warren, what do you think of modern European football stadiums? And do you think Newcastle will have to possibly move or at least expand to keep up with the big boys. Uh, well, you spoke about it, Steve, as well. I think about expanding. You know, with yeah. 50,000. I know we've had a bit of a problem in recent years with the ticket sales, but I'm sure that's going to change uh, when the new deal, if and when that goes through. So if you can add on to it, you know, I love Anfield and, and Old Trafford as well. What they've been able to do is keep that old stadium, stadium and build on top of it. So, yeah, I'm the one, as I said, even when we was working and they changed the name, it was always... St. James's Park for me, so, you know, just build on top of it. Tommy McLeod says, what was the daftest game uh, superstition before a game? Was there anybody with a daft superstition? Did you have one? Um, my one was always just putting my shirt last on before down the tunnel, so that was my one, which is not a new one, not a, uh, a big thing like that. Tino's one was going in the shower. He always liked to have a bit of time. Tino would go in the shower, but unfortunately, with the changing room that we had, every time Tino went out there, someone would hit the cold shower and they'd get covered because he'd want to have to say his prayers, go in there to have a bit of time. So we used to put the cold shower on when he would be in there. Uh, maybe not one for the, the purist. Stuart Pierce would warm up with just his, uh, his jock strap on and his boots. He would just be warming up. He wouldn't go out. But yeah, by and large, that was, that, that was how it would be in the changing room. All right. Okay. Terry Hill Mag says, most memorable game you've played in Warren throughout your career? Um. As I said to you before, my first game was a big one for Newcastle. Uh, the first one being at home. The Barcelona one's a special one, just with the whole Champions League. Um, although we didn't play well, the cup final against Arsenal, Man United, be, just being part of that and being a young player, being at the old Wembley. But, you know, all of them, Steve, I, I, I loved it all. Um, but the, the first one was always a special one um, with all them black and white shirts everywhere. But, yeah, I was lucky enough. There were some good memories of some... You know, the 5-0 the against Nottingham Forest last game of the season, which got us in the Champions League, but also was nice that Sunderland and Mendelsburg got relegated. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Steve Hutchinson. Now, we've done this question with you with footballers, 
but he wants your, your guests to a, your three guests to a dinner party or a tea party, but non footballers. So, which celebrities would you like to take? Michael Jordan, I take him. Um, I take. Uh, let me think. We've got to be alive, yeah. We've got to be still alive. Could be dead as you know. Just which which people would you like to take? It's right. fantasy, so it could be dead or alive, I suppose. Let's go. Let's go. As I said, Muhammad Ali, Winston Churchill, and uh, Michael Jordan. Excellent, great lineup. Albert Mooney is is on the same wavelength as you. He says, "Get the team to watch the last dance to show what dedication and determination gets you." Jordan is an inspiration to everyone. It's a fantastic program that on Netflix if you haven't seen it, isn't it, Warren? Yeah, superb. You know, particularly with my era, I was lucky enough to see him play. Uh, Jordan, me and my wife went to one of the games in Chicago. So yeah, just it just gives you an insight of how a perfection he was and how you look at the role models and. You know, when you listen to Al speak as well, what, what drives him on to make him successful? And, and Michael Jordan was, he just wouldn't accept second best, not, not only from him, but also the people around him. And that's what made him what he was. Yeah, great shout that, Albert. Uh, Wilt Wolf Thunder says, what would be the first thing you change when the takeover goes through, Warren? I take the, the signs off the stadium. I told you that. I take these Sports Direct signs, get them off straight away. Um, yeah. Yeah, and again, you know, give give some love to the stadium, uh, the training facilities as well. Um, as I said to you before, I've had a good think about it. The academy needs a, a reboot. That needs a bit of TLC. But the stadium, as well, make the stadium the atmosphere and the experience that, it, that fans want. When they start walking into that stadium, you've got to generate that excitement. So just get, go back to, to, to what the football club is all about. It's about the fans. Yeah, Mike Stewart says, what went wrong in the two FA Cup final defeats against Arsenal and Man United? Why did he think we underperformed so badly? I just think we came across better teams. There were two teams chasing. One was chasing the double and one was chasing the treble. Yeah, I think the, the first game we didn't show up. Um, the, I think the, the team we played against was, was immense with Arsenal. With the leaders that they had, Anelka over miles was on fire. Um, and before we knew it, we was out of the game and it was just a bit too much for all of us. The Man United game after Roy went off, and I said that to you before, is that we felt like we had a chance, but then Teddy come on and Sheridan and just changed the whole concept of the game. You know, he was so smart with his movement, the way he played, the goals. Uh, but you're right, you know, a team that was going for the, the double and, and won it uh, comfortably and a team that went and done the treble. So if you're going to lose to someone, if you're going to lose, get lose to them too, because at that time, for a decade, them two were the best two teams. Yeah. Shelley Crawford says, tell us your fondest memories of Sir Bobby Robson. The first time I met him, actually. The first, I mean, it's just a lovely, lovely man. Uh, got the utmost respect for him, obviously. Um, but just being being around him and coming over to walking up to everybody and just treating you with respect um, and kindness. And I think that's how he lived his life. That's how, Again, watch that documentary uh, of how he was as a football man, how he was with a person. Uh, if you can emulate that in your life, you, you won't go far wrong. John Norton says, if both sides agree to temporarily relax the NDA, could a statement be released then? I, I don't think I don't think there's ever a, a need for that, is there really? No, no, I, I would think, like you said, they, if contracts have been signed, you have to let the process go through. And it may take some time, but that's just, as I said, I repeat myself again, let's just be patient. Yeah. Steve Beck says, what do you think they would do quickly when the takeover is done? Is there something they would do, do you think, as a quick impact? I mean, it, I suppose it depends when it's announced, but you would imagine that a signing, a signing would, be, would be one of the first things they could do to make an impact. I think they put down the type of things, of the business plan that they want to do, whether it be, you know, with Steve, a new coach, or whether it be new players coming in. But there's, there's no doubt, you know, I'll go back to my time with Sir John Hall. The first thing he did was satisfy the fans, and that's by bringing players in. You know, I remember him leaving certain shirts on the back of a car, and Douglas would leave a few shirts there saying that we're trying to sign people. So I think the fans, you know, that would be the first thing. I remember Alan signing 15,000 fans was, was at St James's Park. So I think that would be the intent of, of what they're doing and uh, going forward, just make a statement. The first impressions, as I said, are important. Michael Terrell says, would any of today's squad get in the match day squad back in 96? No. Similar answer. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I don't think there would be. No, not, not with that team. Michael Barrymore, he says, who would Warren choose as director of football? 
I had a conversation, as I said, with, with Lesnar's been doing well. I mean, sometimes, you know, you go with your heart a little bit, but, you know, Lesnar's been doing a, a decent job at Queen's Park Rangers. Um, there is a few people, you know, at Dortmund, they've got a very, very good recruitment opportunity there. I, yeah, I, I think you would look around as well. Leipzig is another club in Germany. Um, but, yeah, Les, Les would be, because, you, again, going back to knowing the culture, but I, I think he would need to work with maybe a European-based uh, person as well. So I, I think also, Steve, it might be too big for one job because yeah. if you are looking to do first team, younger players, academy, uh, I think you need to be working together. When I was doing my pro licence, it was out in Holland and everybody yeah. worked together. You had the head coach, the technical director and director of football all sitting in the same area. So you have to have that respect, the respect and transparency as well, working with each other. So yeah, I, I think that can work. We have to think yeah. of it out the box rather than just this man does this and that's it yeah 100% uh, John B says just wanted to say great show Steve thanks very much says who have you got coming up next week well we've got a few new faces lined up as well we've got Malga McDonald coming on next week John Beresford um, is, is going to be uh, coming on as well over the next few days but tomorrow night Michael Shopper at 6 o'clock uh, Friday night we've got our friend in Dubai the Geordie Dentist coming on at 6 Lee Clark 3 o'clock on Saturday so uh, that's your next three nights all lined up. Tom Dixon asks, Warren, have you watched Sunderland Till I Die yet on Netflix? Yeah. I watched and laughed every minute of it. The first thing that Richard Boyd would do is move Shearer's statue and rename Nine uh, Bar Shearer's. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would. I would. I, I think he deserves it. I think we, there's nothing wrong with remembering your legends. He deserves it. Yeah. Uh, Tommy McLeod said, who is the biggest joker in the pack at Newcastle? Well, Tino would be up there. David Batty as well. People wouldn't think, but Bats was was good fun as well. Great company. Obviously a tremendous player. Uh, Nash as well. Lee Clark. He, he likes a bit of fun as well. But Tino was up there with, with David Batty. They were like two little kids messing around every day in training. Yeah, good stuff. Taz Abdullah says, how big were Barry Venison's boots to fill? Yeah, big. And Barry was a big part. And I told you the story, Steve. When I was with England, Barry was there. And obviously, he was probably being moved on. Uh, but he said to the club, about the club to me, about what you go and do, how you come along. Uh, Barry's actually out here in Los Angeles. I've met him a couple of times since he's been here. So he was nothing but great to me when I was coming in to take him over. But they was two, two totally different players. But yeah, I've got a lot of time for Barry. But they were big shoes to fill. Michael Terrell says, in the entertainer's days, was training 90% attacking, hence the high score of matches. There wasn't much defending, was there? No, it was 8v8, no goalkeeper, just go and play. Kevin would be on top of a hamburger stall having his cup of tea and his sausage roll and just letting us train. So that, that was it. And uh, we'd go out there, hindsight, Steve, maybe we should have done a little bit more. But we brought Mark Lawrence in to do it, and he was a fish out of water. He didn't, he, he didn't know what to do with it. So uh, it would have been nice to have someone maybe just understand it a little bit more but kevin was going go and enjoy yourself go forward go and express yourself yeah mike jen says thanks for putting our questions across to warren thanks for both a great show as always please carry on after COVID 19 thanks mike for your uh, kind words mate uh tom dixon says do you think they'll have a meeting with steve bruce once the new owners are in at newcastle i think that'll be a priority warren won't it yeah i think steve deserves it as well i heard steve say the other day he's not heard a thing no He's not heard from Mike. He's not heard from anybody what's going on. And that's that, that's not fair to the man. Because it's one thing Steve deserves is a bit of respect. Um, and I, I'm sure that would be the first thing that he he, he gets uh, from, from the new ownership. Yeah. Uh, Graham Bowman says, why was Lee Clark called Nash? It was before I come around. I think it was a cartoon character, wasn't it? Was it, was it correct me? We'll have, to, we'll have to ask him again on Saturday. I always forget. I wouldn't care as well. I helped him pr produce the book. It definitely wasn't anything to do with the uh, the character. Nash in the Northeast means to gnash on and to, to run. And I think it has something to do with that. But I'll have to double check and I'll, I'll fill you in there when I get the answer. Let me know. Let me know. I will do. I will do, mate. And uh, it's an absolute classic. It's, it's, not, it's not a great reason, I can assure you of that. It's, not, it's nothing special. Um, Fortnite eruption. Do a lot of footballers still like George Best with drink? I think he was in that era, wasn't he, Warren? He was. There was a, there was a lot of heavy drinking in that era that George Best grew up in. 
I, I think it, in that it was just a lifestyle thing as well. I think you know people would go. My dad would do it. Would go down the pub Sunday lunchtime at twelve o'clock and come back at, at four o'clock for his dinner. That was just a, a culture of how it was in it, in the UK. Uh, and at that time as well, the players would finish training um, and go to the pub. Uh, and it went on through the 70s and 80s. And it wasn't really till like the mid-90s where it, it changed a little bit with Arsene Wenger and, you know, looking after your body, conditioning, um, fitness regimes uh, come along. Uh, now it seems to be a little bit, which is a sad thing, is, is the mental problem that they have. You know, the, the, the depression is coming along as well. So, you know, it's, it's going from that high to coming down and it, it can be difficult to, to do that or finishing your career. One moment, as I said, May the 10th, you finish your first last game of the season and then that's it. You're done. You, got, you don't know what you've got to do. Yeah, big thanks to Steve Hutchinson and to 1981 uh, AMM. They said it was because Lee had to, yeah, used to gnash off. Terry Mack named him. Uh, and 1981 AM says he thinks he, uh, I think he said that Terry Mack, he had to gnash and the name stuck. I told you it wasn't very exciting. Um, Steve Beck says, what was it like playing with Alan Shearer? Phenomenal. You know, he, he was, a, again, you talk about the Michael Jordan thing. We, we, if we do training, at the end of training, Alan would say, where are you going? You know, come and I want you to cross me and maybe Nobby and, uh, you know, Andy Griffin would do some, you know, deliveries and he would be a perfectionist. He wanted it where he wanted it and to finish. But he was, you know, great. He would make an average ball into a good ball. You can imagine, you know, you had Alan and Les, as your, as your forward line, that you could just hit a ball forward and they'd make it into a good one. He, he was, again, great to be around. And I think people see that picture that I put out a little while ago after the, the Sheffield Wednesday game and got great socially as well. People forget, you know, not only was he a, a tremendous player, but a, a, a top person as well. Ben LD says, do you think King Kev would accept the director of football role after the takeover? Yeah, no doubt. I think he would do. Um would it be the right thing? I'm not sure for Kevin now. I don't know whether it would be the ambassador. There's obviously a role for Kevin because we, we all love him. But, um, you know, it, it would be up to the new ownership and Kevin. Um, whether it be just that ambassador role that he would have, I'm not sure. Um, yeah, but there's no, there's no doubt we want to have people like Kevin at the club. Steve Wildsmith says, does Warren agree when people say Newcastle will struggle to attack, uh, attract top players to the northeast? No, I think it will take, you know, regarding top players, you have a bracket there of what they would be um, and whether it would be players like a Griezmann that, or Coutinho that's not maybe worked out as well. But if you can attract two or three of them, then I'm sure the rest will come. And again, so I don't, people don't come to the Premier League for the food and the weather. They're coming for the money. You know, let's be honest about it. We have to be realistic. But once you get them, them players in, the rest, it seems to snowball along. It's like when they went to Man City at the beginning. No, they didn't go there because it was a, a great club and I want to live in it. They went there for, for certain reasons. And if we can get our head around that and get them players in, then you can start. If you have someone like Pochettino, you have an ownership like this, you have a stadium that's 52,000 fans that are behind you, win or lose, that's appealing to players. And the ones that don't want to come, then don't come. We'll have other ones because there'll be, there'll be a list of players that will want to come. Yeah, Kenny Trainer says, because of how good you were at Newcastle, did any teams come in for you that you turned down? Only at that time. Like I said, when it wasn't working, Spurs apparently, Charlton, uh, Everton, Man City, uh, Celtic as well. So th th there was a few, but it never got to a stage that I was uh, you know, entertaining that interest. It was like said to my agent at the time, whether uh, Jonathan Barnett, I don't want to go anywhere. I I'm fine. I I'm going I'm to see this out. So even when my contract was running out, um, I said to Freddie and, and the board, I want to stay. So, yeah, make it at that time. I didn't have an agent. I just said, Look, I'm not going. Pay me what I'm worth. I was at the time I was involved with the PFA, so I knew what salaries was around, and, and the rest was easy. Yeah, Colin Wilson says, Warren, your words speak volumes. You can't hide your enthusiasm for Newcastle. I can't wait for the entertainers to return in some role. There will be ruptions in the stands, which is which is nice. Um, look, we've had so many compliments coming through Warren again. It's been an absolutely great show. We've, we've done that hour and it seemed like five minutes, to be honest, mate. So thanks so much for coming on again. And, and like I said last week, it'd be nice to get you back on, hopefully as soon as the takeover's done. I'm expecting myself, you know, any uh, you know, any time over the next couple of weeks. So let's let's keep in touch and hopefully get you back on so we can do another one of these, but uh, with, with new owners this time. Pleasure, no Let's make a deal then. Let's not do it until we sign. Good stuff, mate. Done. Good stuff, mate.
You stay, you stay safe, mate, and uh, look forward to speaking to you then. Take care, mate. All the best, everybody. Stay safe. Thanks, Stevie. Good man. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye. Great to have Warren on. Absolutely top guest. Uh, and tomorrow night, Michael Chopra is on at 6 o'clock. Uh, please remember to subscribe to the channel. Um, you can still share this, uh, and people will still be able to see it. If you click on the share button, it gives you an option to share on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, whatever, whatever you're joined on, Pinterest as well, and various other applications. Please share it to those because then it gets people a chance to see the show. Um, as I say, Michael Shopper is on tomorrow night at six o'clock. Friday night, I've got uh, Neil Mitchell, the Geordie dentist, uh, uh, to give a fan's perspective. And then on Saturday afternoon at three o'clock, I'll have uh, Lee Clark on. Working on a few others for next week, including John Beresford and Supermark, who both agreed to come on the show. Uh, and I think we'll probably get Steve Howie uh, back on next week as well. And a couple of the other guys who we've had on Instagram. But thanks for your support. I hope we got through as many questions as uh, possible. And uh, thanks for joining the show. Thanks to Cross Paths and the Jab Apparel as well for supporting me. And uh, I will see you tomorrow night at six o'clock. Good night. God bless. I wish you well.